Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 54 of the Reinventure Me podcast. One of the five elements needed to accomplish more is creative power. And in this episode of Reinventure Me, we're going to talk about how to unleash more creative power in your life. Thanks for joining us. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to the podcast for what's next in life. I'm Larry Gates along with my co-host, Armin Asadi. Hey, Armin. How are you, Larry? I am Swanky Doodle. Swank. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's your generation way of saying I'm doing awesome. Well, <laughs> I, I use awesome a lot to the point where I don't think... It's tiresome. Awesome has become tiresome for me. It's true. It's true. Because I think awesome only ought to apply to one person, right? I know. I yeah. know I've heard and, that. And I am catching myself so often. I say, awesome. <laughs> like, I think I'm about 20 years younger than I should be. <laughs> hey, all, we are in episode 54 <laughs> of the Reinventure Me podcast. We're here to help you discover new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, the ventures God's called you into. And we are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. We are about to start an episode here on creativity. Before we do that, though, I want to just, this is the last announcement we're going to make for the Dream Intensive Workshop in February 27th to 28th in Denver. So all of our Denver friends, or if you have friends that live in the Denver area, let them know this is the only workshop we'll be doing yet this year. So you'll have to wait till next February to get a hold of the Dream Intensive. And this is a place where we assemble a community of believers who want to get together and unleash the power of the dream that God's put inside of each of us. And it's a great time. Check it out, dreamintensive.com. And if you're interested in going, you get 30 bucks off when you use the promotion code REINVENTURE. So, Armin, back in episode 50, we talked about creating strategic margin. We certainly did. And uh, we are on a roll here talking about how to do that. Yep. This is the fourth of five. Is that right? Well, if you count that first episode, now we're on five of six. Five of six. All right. Yes. All right. My math is off. Yeah. No, that's all right. That's all right. Now, why are we spending this much time talking about this idea? Because in my belief, the only way we can really think about what we're to embrace in our new beginning, whether it is a total transformation or just a new opportunity in whatever your current pursuit is, is when we have enough time to have what we've been calling strategic margin. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that back on episode 50, right, Armin? Yep. And we define margin as the the difference between power and load. In other words, your capacity to get things done and the amount of demand that you have on what you have to do. And there are five ways that we are talking about and have been talking about, about how you can increase your personal power. The whole thesis is, is that we generally try to increase margin or find margin in our lives by getting rid of stuff to do. Yep. Unloading. Start unloading. And while that's not a bad strategy, it can give you some margin. It's only a temporary fix. Yep. 
Instead, wouldn't it be better if we could have more capacity as people? One of the ways that you get capacity, or there's actually five ways we talked about getting capacity. So back in episode 51, we talked about willpower. In 52, we talked about delegative power. Last week, we had a really good time. Yeah. So I think, oh, I think we had a good time, right? If you're looking for validation. I am looking for validation. <laughs> I validated. No, it was a really good time. It was a really good time. I enjoyed it a lot. Good play. <laughs> Episode 53, we talked about reciprocity. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about being creative. Yes. And that might not be something that a lot of people feel like they can really identify with. I'm the least creative person <laughs> ever. <laughs> I'm only logic. <laughs> yeah, we actually have a pretty good Inspire Me this time. This okay. is a good one. I yeah. love this one. It's uh, by Albert Einstein. You may or may not have heard of him. But the quote goes like this. It's really simple. It's easy to memorize. Creativity is intelligence having fun. Uh, yeah, let's say it together, right? Yeah. Creativity <laughs> is intelligence, intelligence having, having fun. fun. Yeah. There's five words, and uh, you know, just love that simplicity yeah. of it. But, man, is that true? Mm-hmm. Armin's drinking his tea to try to stay awake hey, here. I'm caffeinated. <laughs> pregnant wife that's not sleeping. This is, this is, this is my oh, yeah. How's that, how's that going? <laughs> welcome, welcome to many sleepless nights oh, yet I to know. come. It's just training. God's training me for this baby, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. Well, I was, as I was saying, creativity is intelligence having fun. I think that's so true because as adults, the older we get, the less we give ourselves permission to play. Mm-hmm. And if we think we're not creative, it's maybe because we haven't given ourselves the permission to be creative and to play. So we're going to talk about playing today. Yes, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> whether you like it or not you're gonna have fun <laughs> you know einstein played a lot and uh, einstein's got so many pithy quotes but i love the one that says it's not that i'm so smart but i stay with the questions longer yeah and i like that quote for a number of reasons one is that he says he's not so smart and that gives me a little bit of hope that maybe i can <laughs> I, I can get there too but uh, you know all kidding aside i love that he says he stays with the questions longer and i get the impression you know and you see these funny pictures of einstein sticking his tongue out and his hair is always unkempt and you get the impression that there's this guy who just loves to play with mathematical equations right right when I was a kid in high school, I carried around a big, thick copy of the book Gravity by John Wheeler, but it was basically all of Einstein's theories, and I thought if I carried that book around, people might think I was smart, you know? <laughs> Is that how you got your but wife? But you, when you look through... Uh, is that what? Is that how you got your wife? No. No, no. no. It's how I got girls to stay away from me in high school. It was pretty effective. <laughs> I do not recommend this to any of our young listeners who are wanting to attract the opposite sex. Don't carry that book. <laughs> that is not a, that's not a chick magnet kind of book. It's more of a repellent? No, no, yeah, for sure. But, you know, I get the impression of Einstein as a guy who just loved to play with mathematics and and just allow himself to do a lot of what-ifs yeah, in, in an unhurried way. It wasn't like he had a deadline to discover the general theory of relativity. Mm-hmm. You know, It wasn't like somebody who's got a gun to his head and said, yeah. you know, figure out how this gravity stuff works or you're going to die in 24 hours. You know? <laughs> right. So I think when you have that kind of freedom and you really look at where does this take me, mm-hmm. When you're asking that, where does this take me? It's a very freeing kind of question to ask. Yeah. And we don't give ourselves permission to do that very often. Or, well, a lot of times we don't even think we have time to think about stuff like that. Yeah, because you have obligations. Right. Yeah. And I think the whole thing we want to try to help people with in this episode is, regardless of how much time you don't think you have, how many obligations you do believe you have, there is a way to build creativity into your life, to build some play into your life so that you can express that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes. 
one of my favorite things that we're talking about in terms of creativity, I think it's that giving the people the permission to be creative and the fact that anybody and everybody is creative or born creative, that it's not something that's exclusively for the geniuses or something that's just for the artistic types, that this myth that goes with creativity as if it's for specific type of people. Yeah, that's true. You think of somebody that say they're really creative, you kind of think of them as artsy. Right. You know, that's the creative part. But creativity expresses itself in all kinds of ways. Yes. I mean, Einstein had mathematical creativity. Some people have mm-hmm. relational creativity. Other mm-hmm. people have, you know, extraordinary creativity for problem solving. So yep. there, it, it comes in a variety of forms. But, you know, it, it comes because we are made in the image of the creator, you know, and, right. and therefore that is the thing that we are here to do. You know, I like what Robert Fritz said in his book, The Path of Least Resistance. He says this, the reason you would create anything is because you love it enough to see it exist. Mm. That is good. And it's the idea of romancing something to life. Mm. And it got me thinking about this. And I just test this theory with you. Oh, okay. But I think that a lot of times we get so busy that we think of this idea of creativity or coming up with an idea of something to do. And we think that if it can't, be done instantly, it doesn't have much value. Mm. In other words, if it's going to cost me a lot to do, I don't have time for it. I won't pursue it. Mm. And so what ends up happening is we don't pursue anything. Mm. Because what we're looking for is not love here. Yeah. It's infatuation. Yep. And ultimately, and ultimately, infatuation is self-serving, whereas love is sacrificial. You met Ashley, and I met Anna, and there's a point early on in the relationship where you go, wow, this is good, makes me feel good about myself to be with them and all that. And until the time when it doesn't make you feel good to be with them, and that's because, you know, you had a fight. So the question then becomes, this is uncomfortable. What am I going to do? Do I give it up? Because, yeah. so it's the same way when we come up with an idea. Yeah. You know, I got an email from somebody, actually it wasn't an email, it was a response on my blog post. The guy says, I've got 50 different book ideas. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> you know, I can really relate to that. I got 50 different book ideas as oh, well. Yeah. But do you love any one of them enough to see yeah. it come to completion? Because otherwise, it's just the idea. Yeah. So that for me is kind of the motivating question. You know, the, and it's why this creative power is so difficult to hone because it requires some sacrifice. You know, when we talked about the five elements of increasing personal power, willpower, delegative power, reciprocity, creative, and structural, we mentioned back in episode 50 that these are kind of an increasing difficulty to implement. And this idea of creative power is among the hardest because it does require of us some real decisions about whether we're going to stick with an idea and lean into it and find ways to hone it, even if it's messy. And that's the problem. It gets messy most of the time. You know, one of the other things that Fritz talks about in his book, The Path of Least Resistance, I mean, is that there's two different orientations we can have. One is a creative orientation, and one is a reactive, responsive orientation. Hmm. And just see how you relate to this, because the, the reactive, responsive orientation he describes is when we kind of view life as a series of circumstances that we have to maneuver our way around. It's like a rat in a maze, and we're trying to find our way through the maze to the cheese. Yeah. So every wall in the maze represents some constraint or limitation that we have you know we don't have enough money enough time we've got this thing that's due this place i've got to be this obligation here and so you're maneuvering your day around basically survival 
Reminds me of that book, Who Moved My Cheese? Yeah, Who Moved My Cheese. I love that book. Yeah. <laughs> One of my mentors actually made me read that book. And Did you I, find it after? You were <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I ever will but that, find that. But that's exactly right, because that book is what Fritz is talking about. Mm. You're always in a reactive mode. Mm. What Fritz is saying is, instead of looking at the question, which is what you look at in the reactive response orientation, is how do I do this? The question is always a how, because you're trying to solve some circumstance. Instead, he says, it's better to spend time in a creative orientation, which sees the question of what? What can I create? Hmm. So regardless of what circumstances you're in, you're asking yourself, what can I do with that? Hmm. And it's a powerful way of kind of looking at it in it from a wholly different lens. And so people who have really good creative power are not just looking about how they can maneuver through their day and how they can solve problems. They're looking at what is it that they want to create, yeah. which changes the whole paradigm because maybe some of the problems that they think they need to solve, they don't need to solve because yeah. it isn't in the space of things that they're intended to create. Right. That actually reminds me. So one of the things that I remember reading about Leonardo da Vinci was Anytime he faced a problem or had to solve a problem, the first thing that he would do is walk up to it, look at the problem, and realize the way that he was looking at the problem. So he wasn't trying to solve the problem. He would first assess how he's looking at the problem. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that he does after that is dismiss that view. And then he'll go and look at the problem a different way. And then he'll dismiss that. And then he'll look at the problem in a different way. And then he keeps looking at the problem from different angles, from different perspectives before he ever tries to solve it. Because he says, the last thing I want to do is go after a problem that everybody else has failed to solve because I'm going to approach it the exact same way as everybody else and get the exact same outcome. And until I see it from all perspectives, I may be the only person to take that time to look at it from many perspectives to find that one solution. Yeah, that's good. And that's the idea that Einstein was talking about was staying with the question longer. Right. You know, so that when you stay with it longer, you're not pushing yourself to respond to a circumstance like Fritz was talking about, mm -hmm. but you're saying, what do I want to create and how do I get there after I figured out what I want to create? Right. And it reminds me of a quote from Marcel Proust, and he said, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Mm. Yeah. It's that idea of staying with it so that you can see something right on. that isn't, you know, you don't have to move. Yeah. It's right there in front of you. It's not like you have to go find something new, but just staying with it long enough, as Einstein said, so that you can start seeing it in a wholly new way. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the problems that we have is that we move so quickly back to this margin thing yeah. that we don't realize that in that very frenetic pace that we have, we're robbing ourselves of this very opportunity to actually get out of that circumstance. So it's almost self-perpetuating. Mm-hmm. So the other thing you just made me think of is the Renaissance period is, is a, one of the periods that's considered in history to have one of the biggest explosions of creative minds or creative geniuses. That, that's when we had the Leonardo da Vinci's. That's when we had the Michelangelo's. That's when we had the Galileo's. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that psychologists are pointing to that quote that you were just saying, that mm -hmm. it's new eyes, they point back to that and say the reason there was such an explosion of genius thought or genius creativity or whatever is that because people started visualizing things more than they ever had before. So rather than coming with a verbal argument towards or debate towards whatever they're finding in terms of science or astronomy or whatever, Galileo coming with 
graphs and charts and diagrams and the daughter da Vinci was doing the same thing. So all of a sudden you see this explosion of creativity or creative geniuses, but it's because people started using new methodologies to express what they were finding and it was sticking more and then it would allow other people who were picking up what they were putting in front of them and running with it. But until that happened, it was always flatlined or very slow scale. Yeah, and that's exactly what we talked about back in episode 44, uh, this creativity cycle. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the Renaissance period, I think what you're describing is that it went in high gear, yeah. where the output from one person was the input to another person. Mm-hmm. And then they put that through their own creativity filter yep. and produced something else. And it was that rapid innovation that created a lot of new ideas during that period of time. And we're seeing it today. With the rise of the internet, the internet has become quite a mechanism now for a lot of innovation to occur. Yeah, open source. Feeding ideas and cultivating ideas. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, well, it is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And it can be entirely overwhelming for people. But back in uh, episode 44, it was interesting. We talked about this idea of creativity in the art of Mm self-promotion. As you remember, we talked about the fact that it's self-promoting if you only think that what you're talking about, your idea or what you're trying to pitch is all about you. Right. But it's not self-promoting when you realize that it's part of a contribution that you make mm-hmm. to the betterment of other people and to the betterment of other ideas. Yeah. And uh, we talked about three different steps in the creative cycle, and I think that that's worth going through here because it helps us to think about how do we instill creative power ourselves. I don't know how many of our listeners actually remember episode 44. I barely remember episode 44 (laughs) myself. So I'm just going to throw it out there. The three pieces are curation, cultivation, and communication. I'm going to let you break that down. But one part I do like about the curation part is that it's almost this gathering of information. It's researching. It's creating this foundation for you to take the next step. And that was one thing I wasn't really good at. I always try to come up with something unique or something that was original to me. And I think that always stunted my creativity. So when you started laying this out where, no, 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 it's okay. Just take other people's idea and then take it from there and make it your own and add to it. So until you said that to me, I think it's always been a obstacle for me because, you know, it's not that easy coming up with original ideas, but it's pretty Yeah, there's a lot of pressure to have an original idea. And oftentimes that keeps us from taking in other people's ideas because, we're fearful that we might learn the thing that we thought was an original idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, somebody else had this idea too, and then and you don't quite feel so. It. Yeah, you don't quite feel so. I, you know, you don't quite feel so good right. about yourself. You know, right. I'm not even state of the art. They thought about this 200 years ago or whatever. But you're right. There, are those three steps in the cycle, the creative cycle. The first one is curation, mm-hmm. and that really is the idea of opening yourself up to get inputs from lots of different sources. Mm-hmm. And so the question really is, how well do we do that? And and you look at well, some of the people that you mentioned, the the big masters of creativity that we normally think about, right? Da Vinci right. Yeah. and Einstein and Edison, Edison and all those people had a wide range of interests. Mm -hmm. They borrowed from lots of different sources and were prolific in lots of different ways. I mean, they weren't just specialists in one area. Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges I think that we get is that when we get so proficient in an area, we start to blind ourselves to other sources of input. We start to shut down and we can specialize into one area, which keeps us from getting input from other sources that might give us the very breakthrough that we need, even in in our area of expertise. Mm. And so I like what 
uh, Stephen Johnson said, uh, and he wrote a book called Where Good Ideas Come From. He says, the trick to having good ideas is not to sit around in glorious isolation and try to think big thoughts. But the trick is to get more parts on the table. Hmm. And, uh, and the way you do that is, you know, you can read widely. And that's one of the best ways to do that is just get input from lots of different sources. Because right. we talked about that back in episode 23, how reading can lead to your next great beginning. But the idea is that you get input from lots of different ways of thinking on a lot of different topics. Right. And so if you want to be good at creative power, it starts with that first step of curation. I love that. So let's go into cultivation aspect of this. I remember when we first started talking about this, you brought in this. You're the one who actually got me started on journaling. So I was not a journaler in any way, shape, or form. Tried and failed. (laughs) How's it going now? (laughs) It's it's a lot better. It was really good for a while, you know, the every single night journaling. Mm -hmm. That fell off. It's not that good anymore, but Mm -hmm. still once a week, twice a week. Mm -hmm. That's a huge. That's awesome. But but that. Oh, see, I said awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Way to be a millennial. (laughs) But that was that was a big swank. (laughs) Nobody uses that. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) just to clarify. (laughs) But journaling was a big part of my cultivation aspects of the ideas that I brought in, what was a stupid idea, what was a good idea, mm-hmm. what was worth even looking at further, sharing, not sharing, to break down any other ideas that you might have on cultivation other than journaling, maybe? The second stage here is cultivation. So after you've curated a bunch of ideas and you're getting things in, you need to let them incubate. And that is the one thing that you can bring to someone else's idea is your own experience and your own way of thinking about it. And that's the cultivation phase of the creative life cycle. Hmm. One of the best ways to do it, and I really can't say that, that this isn't, because I, it's in my experience it has been, is journaling. And uh, w- you know, we talked about that back, oh, we spent a bunch of episodes on journaling, but uh, it seems to come up a lot. If you aren't a journaler, every time you listen to this show, it's like, okay, Larry's talking about journaling again. But the key is, no matter how you cultivate an idea, whether you put things in a file or you you come back and you work on it a few minutes every day or once a week or whatever, how you process yeah. the stuff that you're looking at to refresh yourself with it, however you go through your cultivation cycle, the key is that you keep at it. Because this is the hard part. You don't know where it's going. And Denise Sikursian wrote a book called Uncommon Genius where she studied the recipients of the MacArthur Foundation Awards. And the MacArthur Foundation Awards were given to people who demonstrated excellence in creativity. And wow. award winners included, I didn't even know that existed, so that's just... Yeah, a million-dollar award. And the serious? winners of this award are like people that... A juggler won, uh, an attorney. I mean, are get out, ki- right? This is a real thing? This is a real thing, Yeah. And so these award winners are recognized for having an exceptional demonstration of creativity in their field of endeavor. So you would imagine physicians are there and and Mm. a number of other occupations. But one of the things that she says in this, which I, I just love this quote, she said, you cheat on the chaotic stumbling about and you've robbed yourself of the raw stuff that feeds imagination. Wow. Now, we have all had that chaotic stumbling about, which is where... This doesn't seem to be going anywhere. It's not going anywhere quickly. I feel like I'm wasting my time. Mm-hmm. And she says that the consistent thing she's seen between the MacArthur award-winning people who've demonstrated creativity in their area of occupation is that they didn't give up on that. Mm-hmm. Even though they weren't sure where it was going, even though they weren't sure how long it was going to take to get there, they had this belief 
just like we said before with Robert Fritz, that they love it enough to bring it into action. Hmm. And it's just like a relationship, you know, you got to yeah. stick with it, the good times and the hard times. That's a key part of cultivation. So really it's not so much how you do it in terms of what's the technique. It's that you do it and that you stay at it and you stay persistent with it. Okay. Let's get to the final point then communication. Maybe yes. you can help that. Yeah. Well, so communication is really the last phase of the creative life cycle and the communication isn't exactly the way you and I are thinking about it or might think about it because right now we're communicating with each other, but I needed another C because I had curation, cultivation and communication (laughs) seemed like it was a a good fit. The idea about communication phase in the creative life cycle though, is that it is putting it out there. Mm -hmm. It's letting the world see what you're working on. And so often we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a raw thing. It's not done yet. Maybe we're feeling a little bit, Insecure, insecure, vulnerable, vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> uh, maybe we feel like we're shame a little bit of a perfectionist, you yeah. know. And Gordon Smith describes perfectionism as a misaligned pursuit of excellence because we tend to think that we're, we're really trying to just be excellent, but what we really are trying to do is hide ourselves and be self-protective to criticism. But I love G.K. Chesterton's quote, and I use it in the Dream Intensive, and he says, "If something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly." I love that. Isn't that great? I love that. Because it just says, get it out there. Mm-hmm. you know. And if you're willing to put it out there and let other people see what a poor job you did with it, yeah, it, it raises their game too. It invests them in it, and right. you get some feedback from it. Yeah. So here's a list of people that I figured out that kind of live out that, that motto, okay. if we were to call it that. Here's, we have a list of creative geniuses in the past. So Thomas Edison, he held 1,093 patents, still the record. His own personal quota was one minor invention every 10 days and a major invention every six months. How many of them does he actually put out and make anything out of? Not very many, but it's the idea of just production. If it's an idea... Well, you have the famous Thomas Edison, thousand ways not to make a light bulb, you know? So there's a lot of producing that wasn't going to turn up into a patent. Yep. (laughs) So keeping with the, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. We got Bach, famous uh, musician, wrote a cantata every week, even when he was sick or exhausted. Mozart produced more than 600 pieces of music. Einstein is best known for his paper on relativity, but he published 248 other papers. T.S. Eliot's numerous drafts of the wasteland. He wrote them up and down and he had good ones, bad passages, but eventually it turned into a masterpiece. And so just to make the final point, there is a study of 2,036 scientists throughout history and they come to find that the most respected produced not only great works, but also a lot of bad ones, Mm -hmm. probably a lot more bad ones. Mm -hmm. And out of their massive quantity of work, eventually came out some form of quality of work, but it was the fact that they were relentless with having an idea and pursuing it. And bingo. That, that is the point. Yep. That is the point. When we let our fears drive us and keep us from communicating, then what ends up happening is we don't find out what our work is really able to do and it doesn't get refined mm-hmm. and it doesn't get out there for someone else to be input for them. So when we communicate out and when we do that, then it becomes curation for someone else. Yep. It becomes input for them or even input for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the cycle continues. Yep. And that's the creative cycle. Now, it's important for us to think about those things in evaluating our lives because 
if we're going to get to our next opportunity, if we're really going to take this to the point where we can become more capable people, mm-hmm. that we increase our capacity so that we have more margin to enjoy our lives and to feel like right. we're creating what we want to create, not just responding to everything, then we need to be aware of this creative cycle. All right. I think right now is a good time to lead into our challenge me. So why don't you take us there? Yeah. Okay. Since we're talking about the creative cycle, why don't we have the challenge me around that? Okay. Okay. So now imagine this. You've got these three stages of the creative cycle. You have the curation, the cultivation, and the communication stage. Mm -hmm. Now, just as you think about your life, just imagine assigning yourself a score of one to five in each of those areas. So one is I'm pretty dismal at that. I'm not done much. And five is I'm really smoking. I'm doing great. Can I use the word smoking? Or Why is that not? is that dated too? No, no, you're good. You're <laughs> oh, good. good. Awesome. <laughs> see what All right. Doing. So here we go. So curation. Score yourself on a score of one to five and how you're doing curation. So let me ask you, are you reading widely? Hmm. Are you meeting new people? Mm-hmm. Are you learning new things? Okay. What's your score? I would say I'm probably around a three-ish. Okay. So then when you say you're a three, now ask yourself, what does it take for that three to go into a four? Ooh venturing into something that's not in my wheelhouse a new topic perhaps yes all right so see i think intuitively when we score something on a scale of one to five and we give ourselves anything less than a five we kind of know that there's something already there that can take it to the next level so that's the reason score yourself a three identify what it would take to get to a four do that thing Hmm. and so let's talk about cultivation am i taking time to evaluate reflect and play with new ideas how would you score that I'm back down to a three. <laughs> I was at a four or five at one point, uh-huh. but I dropped. So what would you do to get to a four? It's just I, journaling would be the first journaling, thing. Yeah, okay. it, was, it was an amazing experience for me. Yeah, okay. I don't know why I And now you brought up journaling and I didn't, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, third is, am I putting my work out there for others to respond to, to learn from, and offer feedback? Mm. Nope, I sure don't. I would put that at a two or three yeah you get to a point where you do so much where you get embarrassed yeah exactly you know you don't want people thinking you're an idiot right so. and i found that that was one of the ones that i had the hardest time with as well yeah yeah i, I ding myself on that too yeah. for the very reason now so think about what are the things that are holding me back and why is it holding me back so that's the challenge me for mm-hmm. this episode so think about those three things the curation the cultivation communication score it on a scale of one to five yeah ask yourself what would it would take to move that needle up hmm and identify the one thing that you're going to do this week to do oh, that. That third one's tough, man. The communication. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. It's good. It's risky. It's I know. Risky. It's scary for me, too. Oh, that's all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. We're so thankful that you were able to join us. If you like this episode, would you just do us a favor and leave us a review on either iTunes or Stitcher? And even more importantly, please share this with your friends you can find us at reinventure.me backslash itunes i think it would be awesome if they shared it with their friends (laughs) no i'm now i'm never gonna use awesome you've officially ruined awesome for me yay (laughs) i won not awesome (laughs) or you could find us at reinventure.me backslash stitcher so if you have a question for us or a comment or if you want to yell or 
you know, bring down Larry for ruining the word awesome. You can also find us at reinventor.me and just leave a question, comment there on our website, or you can just call 612-314-5447. Hey, in fact, do that. Call that show line because it would be fun to feature your voice on here and give me another word for awesome. (laughs) Fantabulous. (laughs) And not terrific because I use terrific too. I need another one. (laughs) All right. Well, other than that, you can join our discussions on Facebook and you can find us at facebook.com backslash reinventure me welcome to 2015 so many ways to communicate with us i love it. our means on twitter that's oh god <laughs> barely barely well thank you guys so much for joining us we really appreciate you being here with us and until we see you next week we bid you adieu bye-bye you've been listening to the reinventure me podcast with your hosts larry gates and armin asadi Thank you.